I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to Zoe Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. James, we were not planning to do a podcast today, but there is news. Do you want to break the news that everybody listening to this already knows? Uh, yeah, I ordered some pizza and it's waiting for me downstairs when we're done recording. That's the news. Where did you order it from? That's uh, a big question. The kids, the kids like Pizza Nova, which I know is not like the most exciting kind of pizza, okay. but when you have kids, sometimes you bow to what they want. Okay. Well, that is not the news, obviously. <laughs> um <laughs> So, you, you should have known if you gave me a job to do, I was going to screw it up. No, I, I thought you could handle that. Um, so obviously the Leafs extend Morgan Riley eight years, seven and a half million dollar cap hit. Let's just start there, James. Like your, your first reaction to this was what? Uh, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't shocked. Um, you know, watching them play the first eight games of the season, it's like, boy, if they don't get Riley signed, <laughs> you know, it, it's been, I, I know he, he probably hasn't had the greatest start either, but um, I, I think that they needed to do this. I think that the contract is okay for the first few years and problematic for the last few years. And um, the number was maybe a little bit higher than I was expecting. I think when you and I were talking about him getting an eight-year deal, I was saying like, what if they sign him for 6.8 or like something like just under seven or, you know, and I think something- I thought you said like 7.2 or something like that well, eventually. Yeah. So when we when we did the breakdown of market value for Morgan Riley before free agency happened, when we were talking about what is he worth, um, statistically- before free agency happened and before all the GMs around the league went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and started paying every defenseman that that had two feet um, $8 million a year, before all that, his market value was around 7.2 over seven or eight years. That was in line with, you look at the contracts that, you know, like uh, Troy Krug was one of the best comparables for him, you know, Jared Spurgeon, you know, some of those, those, those kind of players, he was in that kind of ballpark. Mm -hmm. But then, uh, you know, uh, Darnell Nurse gets $10 billion a minute and uh, uh, Wierenski got a big contract and Seth Jones, uh, Seth Jones, there, there were, there were a bunch of them and they were, they were wild. And ever since that happened, Getting Riley for seven or seven point two probably wasn't realistic. Not if you want to keep him. No, I mean, so basically, the Leafs had to decide 
I mean, the three options were trade him in the middle of a season where they're trying to contend, which would have been almost impossible. If they wanted to trade him, they really would have had to do it in the offseason, which they didn't explore. I think I think when they didn't really look at at moving him all that seriously, which is what it 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 I can gather is what happened, then this was the most likely outcome. I know I know fans were worried that they were gonna walk him to free agency again and 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 let him go, but you know, there was always good faith there on the part of the Leafs and on the part of uh, Morgan, Morgan Riley's camp, for sure. I know that, that they really wanted to get something done. Uh, I think that this was probably the most likely outcome, and um, that's the way that it went. And I mean, I, I think it's it's a perfectly reasonable debate for people to have uh, over whether this was the right move or not. It, it I don't want to say it reminds me of the Dion Phaneuf contract, because I don't think it's going to blow up and do a a turkey the way that that one did so quickly, but it's kind of, I remember when that one was signed, it's like, it f- kind of felt like a necessary evil at the time. Well, James, it's funny you mentioned that. I mentioned at the bottom of my story on Riley that I just finished like an hour ago. I brought up that at that point, what management at the time said is like, part of their argument was like, how are we going to replace this guy? And that, that argument always like, it's, it's a tough argument to make and yet, as you pointed out before, you look at their defense right now and you wonder, okay, well, if you subtract Riley. Well, it's like. And then you got to replace him. Like, Didn't you say it? Muzzin looks old. Brody looks old. Sandine, Lilgren look young. <laughs> Isn't that kind of. Yeah. The, and Dermot's yeah, like a big question Dermot, mark. Yeah. So it's like, so what do you do? Do you just say, well, like, it's almost like you just need to be very pragmatic with these things and say, like, it's not perfect like in an ideal world would you sign this contract maybe not but it's like you kind of got to live in your reality and it's like if you don't sign him you're gonna have to sign someone else and you mentioned all the contracts if you're gonna try to get someone in riley's range you're probably paying something similar for an unknown commodity riley is like your your longest serving player obviously you know exactly what he is I just don't know that there was a perfect solution to this. And and maybe you no. just have to kind of accept that this was never going to be exactly what you wanted it to be. But the alternative is a big question mark. And that question mark could be much worse. Well, and there's, it's nothing to say that, you know, I, I know already people are looking at the cap situation for next year and how they're going to fit this in and nothing set in stone. Just because you've got a guy under contract does not mean... And even with, I know we got the no movement clause, even with the no movement clause, it doesn't mean there's never going to be any movement. It just means that he gets to agree to wherever he goes. Um, But what it does mean is, yeah, I think the thing too, Jonas, is that this really solidifies the fact that the Leafs window to be a contender and to win is is really these next couple of seasons because they're going to have a lot of guys that are making too much for their ability given their age, when you get to, you know, Tavares, uh, Muzzin, Brody, Riley in, in three or four years, you know, is, is you know, Matthews and, and Nylander and Marner's contracts are going to run out in the next three or four years. Are, are They're probably not going to be able to bring all of those guys back, et cetera, et cetera. Like the, so the, mm-hmm. the window for this core and for this group and for this management group and and for the Shannon plan and everything, it's the next two or three years. Like they this they really need to have something to show for all of this, or or it or it will have been a failure. 
Well, and it, it's so difficult to look at their cap situation without knowing how this season is going to play out. Like, there's so many different ways this season could go that could determine what they do. Like, if they if they lose in the first round again, everyone could be gone. Like, in terms of like management, coaches, a new GM could come in and and just trade one of those those four guys. Obviously, not Matthews. You wouldn't think. Um, so like there's, there's just so many ways you can go. Can right? I interrupt you so there? I, like I was, at, yeah, go did ahead. you play around with the cap? Like, did you look at the way that it fits in next year? And cause I was looking at it briefly and. Well, I know you and I had been having this and you sent me some version of this a while ago mm-hmm. and you can make it work. And like, there are things you can do, but like, there are so many contingencies. Like what does Jack Campbell get? Are they going to get, are they going to keep Jack Campbell? If they don't keep Jack Campbell, who are they going to sign? Like, what happens with Peter Morazic? What happens with, like, do you keep Cal- Alex Kerfoot? You know what I mean? Like, there's all these little things that change it. So, I did, like, the potato GM strategy, which just means, like, if you had a... I love that guy. If you had a non-sentient GM that was essentially uh, a potato shaped like a human being, and all they could do was, like, give qualifying offers to RFAs and let everybody else walk, and that's all they did, what would your team look like? The only exception I made is I did re-sign Jason Spezza because even Potato GM without a brain in his skull would decide to re-sign Jason Spezza to the league minimum. So, if you just gave the qualifying offers to the RFAs, which is uh, Ingval, Kasha, uh, Sandine, Lilgren, etc., and you bring those guys mm-hmm. back at like... I mean, they're probably going to all come back at similar numbers what they're at now. Like, I don't think that if Sandine plays on the third pair all year, he's not going to get a huge raise. Um, if if you just did that and you just kept everybody and you didn't sign any of your UFAs, they got about 2 million in cap space. That's with the Phil Kessel 1.2 million in uh, recapture finally coming off the books. That's with the salary cap going up. It's expected the salary cap is going to go up about $1 million for next year. That buys them an extra 2.2 million, which buys them most of Riley's raise. So, what do they lack in that scenario? They've got four lines of forwards. They've got seven defensemen. They only have one goalie, and it's Morazic, and they have $1.8 million in cap space. So, if they wanted to keep Jack Campbell, something would have to give because – and I know we're, we're going to write about it, we're going to talk about this, but Jack Campbell's going to make – you know, a substantial salary. and But if you sign Jack Campbell to a big number and you trade you find a taker for Mrazek and you get a cheap backup goalie, you're you're in the ballpark of running back a very similar team to what they have right now. Yeah, right? And like you can do other things. Like if you have to, you know what I mean? Like you could well, trade away trade player Kerfoot, X. And, trade Richie. Right. You could think about trading one of the veteran defensemen if you wanted. Yeah, well, and I and actually let's, t- let's talk about that. So I, I wondered... How much do you think the timing of this is that? Just if you were if you were the GM of this team and you're watching this start with with some of those players we mentioned, how much do you think that is part of this that you would kind of look at your your muzzins and your brodies and your halls and say like, geez, we might be thinner than I, than we thought. Like we gotta we gotta get Morgan Riley done now just to kind of get something. Yeah, I think, I think you have to protect yourself a little bit, right? Like, I think you have to, like, if they, like, let's say we go into the season another three months and, and Hall doesn't get it together and one of Brody or Muzzin doesn't, there's some real signs of decline. You got a big time problem, right? And right. I, if you look at the way, 
I don't know. I can't remember Brody's contract structure off the top of my head, but I know Muzzin's really well because I remember writing about that contract and it's extremely heavily front loaded, which was easier to do before the, the pandemic and everything made it harder to do. Muzzin's contract, I believe once you pay the bonus in July, uh, well, it's not July 1, it's like July 13 or something next year. When it, when free agency opens, when you pay that bonus, um, I believe that uh, Muzzin's only got something like $6 million left of a $22.5 million contract. So there's almost no money left. So I think that he would be – I know people, some people will say, well, how are you going to move that contract if he has a bad year? There's hardly any real dollars attached to it. And I believe Brody's deal is pretty front-loaded as well. I just don't have that in front of me. Um, so I think they could trade those guys. I think another team – you know, there's such a demand for defensemen, top four defensemen around the league. Uh, I think you could trade one of those guys if you wanted to. And and Justin Hall, I mean, you know, you you can talk about the news from practice for people that haven't seen it, but he's been brutal to start the year. And I know he's had a he had a really significant illness. Like I he thought he had he had potentially had COVID. He was so sick. Uh it wasn't it ended up not being COVID nineteen, it ended up being something else, but that's affected him and he's not been very good this year. Just tell people what happened with Hall at practice and what's happening with the defense right now. Okay, and we will get to that a little later. Um, basically, they broke up their top four, which I, I wrote about like I think like a week and a half ago that, or maybe longer. I don't know. Time is flying by. Uh, just that this was going to be something that they had to consider, just because the the Muzzin Hall thing wasn't working. So now they've done it, where Riley and Dermot are playing together, Muzzin and Brody are playing together. Justin Hall will be a healthy scratch on Saturday. And Rasmus Sandin will play with Tim- Timothy Lilligren. Now, I would assume like Hall will get back in for Tuesday, I believe, against Vegas. Um, but that's obviously sig- significant. Um, if you're looking at this, is that inevitably where this goes now? Like you just put yourself into a position where maybe you trade Muzzin, maybe you trade Brody, maybe you trade Hall. Maybe you trade Hall and like I've been thinking about it, James, like the rationale to not sign Riley because you have those guys. In some ways, it doesn't really make sense. Like those guys are a lot older; they're they're different skill sets. And and the questions with with Sandine and Dermot are are what they are. I don't think when they signed Muzzin and Brody that they were like these guys are going to be here for the like we hope they're going to be here for the length of this contract. But I don't think that when they signed those, they were like this is absolutely going to gonna work the whole way so they like i think that they knew in the back of their mind that there might they might need an exit plan with those guys inevitably like if you have to you maybe move dermot up maybe move sandine up like i guess you just have to see are you trying to find another defenseman like in a trade or in free agency that you feel like can well and and it feels like that might be something that they have to do this year like this what they have what i just listed out even if if hall takes the little spot that's that's probably not good enough. Um, so anyway, that's on the back burner. Uh, let's talk Riley, and then let we'll take a break and talk a little bit about the new look defense. Um, so the questions with Riley, like you mentioned, are the back half of the contract, and obviously defensively is kind of the big question. Do you think he does enough offensively, moving the puck, skating the puck, all that kind of stuff, all the intangible stuff, the leadership, all that other stuff, to override some of the issues that he's had um, defensively and that he might continue to have defensively? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think he's 
at even strength, he's elite offensively, and there are some questions defensively about Riley. And I think that, I mean, we've seen it so far this year that some of the struggles that that pairing has had playing together. Um, th- I was saying this to you when the when the deal di- got done. The thing that makes Riley kind of you you could either say unique or you could, weird or you yeah or you could say weird um, is that he's a number one defenseman and now he's making number one defenseman money, but he he's not great on the power play and he's not great on the penalty kill, which is kind of unusual because normally normally a number one defenseman is, I mean, ideally they're, he's, they're great on both of them and they play that. Those are the guys you talk about playing 25, 26, 27 minutes. Uh, Riley's never been a stalwart, I think on, on either. And, and it, and it feels like at some point Sandine's going to potentially pass him on the number one power play unit. I know they've used Riley a little bit more on penalty killing this year and he's been fine, but um, the thing that would worry me with Riley is that so much of his um, his value in the NHL is his athleticism. Like he's just a phenomenal athlete. He's he's so fast. He's strong. Just that that speed that he has. You know, remember when he he played injured that that one was it half season or maybe it was a little bit longer than that. I, I'm having a hard time remembering exactly the timeline. Yeah, that was nineteen two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, two years ago, and he's just he's much less effective when he when he's hurt. And so, if there's a he's 28 years old, this deal kicks in when he's 29 next year. Um, that's that's problematic if if he slows down at all because his speed is such a big part of what makes him effective uh, at even strength. Well, and he's not like like Nicholas Lidstrom was like graceful. Riley's more like it feels more powerful. Yep. Does that make sense? Like it's a yep. different style. He's it's extremely not like a, strong. Like he, he's not tall, but like isn't isn't Riley like six feet tall, but like two hundred twenty five pounds or something? Like he's very thick. He's very <laughs> yeah. He's 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 big. You know, he's he's kind of built the opposite of me and you. <laughs> like he's well, just and, and, a lot of power to the guy. Well, and James, like I I asked Kyle Dubas today. He talked after the the signing was announced um, about why he thinks like Riley can age well. And, and he brought up like the, I think the first or second thing he brought up was mobility. And like, you look at some of the defensemen who play a long time, some of them, like they can play kind of more on their smarts than their mobility. Like I'm just thinking like Ron Hainsey played forever, not the most mobile guy, obviously. I wonder if someone like Duncan Keith might be sort of somewhat of yeah. a, somewhat of a comparable, just, I was looking at yeah. uh, Dom yeah. Dom Lecision, our uh, our stats guru, had had a chart looking at some of the comparable defensemen and the contracts, and there were a lot of them that didn't work out. Like there was Seabrook, and there were a whole bunch of those contracts that didn't work out. But the one that that did basically was Duncan Keith. Well, that was a really long deal. Yeah, and it's only in like the last few. Well, he's like he's almost forty now. Um, that it really turned right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, like he's been around forever now. Here's the thing. Like, I know what the numbers say, and I, I, I've seen some of the stuff um, that happens during games. I do think it's gotten a little, like, over the top. Like, I don't think he's as huge a liability as has been portrayed. Some of the advanced stats have him as, like, one of the worst defensive defense defensemen in the NHL, which seems a bit aggressive, given who he faces and, you know, the minutes he plays and things like that. Well, and I just look at that playoff series last year against mm. Montreal. Like he was 
very good mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah, and, and I don't remember was good. Like, yeah, and I don't remember him making big mistakes defensively or costing them. Well, and I kind of think that that's what's changed a little bit in the perception of him. Like, remember he had that huge year where he had twenty goals and seventy two points. I think those were the numbers. And it, the last couple of years, it a like there was that year where he was hurt, and b like last year especially. He just wasn't taking the chances he used to take. And obviously the team had decided like we need to be better defensively. Mm. So he's not taking as many chances. So you're not noticing him up like to the same degree. I wonder if that plays into the perceptions of him. But I mean, if you're management, we, we haven't really seen them do this. Do you kind of just say like, man, like we don't really care about the back half of the contract. Like we well, might not be be around like we haven't really ever seen them do that like they've been pretty you can argue though Jonas, that, that, that Tavares contract is that like I, I don't know how you could like realistically argue that Tavares is gonna be worth 11 million dollars at the end of the deal they signed him to yeah that's fair yeah, yeah but that's a little di- that's a little little different just because he was a free agent yeah I guess it's similar it's it's a similar idea that kind of will deal with it it's not like David Clarkson I'm not worried about year seven or whatever, you know, it's like, you know, you're going to get value. I, this is the way contracts are in the NHL. I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever change or it's, it's almost like, like you're only going to, you're likely only going to be the GM for four or five years if you're lucky. Right. So you're not really worried about the back half of a lot of these contracts, which is why you end up with a lot of old guys making too much. Like, I think that the Leafs are probably going to be in a situation where it was the argument that, that I made with the Hyman deal as well. I would have given Hyman seven or eight years. And it's like, he's going to end up on LTIR or you're going to stuff all as much money as you can in the first three or four years of the deal. And then you're going to, you know, find a, a spot where you can trade him to. You can always retain salary. If the cap goes up, it's going to be easier to retain. The tricky thing with someone like Tavares, I mean, he's got a no movement clause. That that makes him hard to deal. And they gave Riley a no movement clause for this season and the next six, which is, that's a lot. Yeah, but like, so I will say on that replaceability question, it's it's conceivable that you could replace or try to replace Zach Hyman's production for a much lesser price. You might not get everything, but like you might be able to get 70%. You can see so far this season where they miss them though, right? Like absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But like maybe you can get 60 per- whatever it is. With Riley it would be harder to figure like how who would you get to to take those minutes and and do what he does. Like I how would you do it? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like right now there's a huge premium on defensemen. And, you know, it, it, it's almost like, what, what's that old adage that if if with goaltending, if if you have it, it's 50% of the game. If you don't have it, it's 100% or something like that. Like, cause I, I think that GMs around the league are really worried about, you look at the premium, not just for the contracts that we talked about, but like, look at the trades for like Ristolainen and like, yeah. when you get in a situation where you don't have top four defensemen that you can trust and especially top pair guys as a GM, you get really desperate. And that's probably the situation at least would be in if they didn't have Riley is that they'd probably be pretty desperate to find someone like him. Well, and I sometimes think we get into this, this situation where you think every contract is going to be exactly what you think it should be just because like it's either a good contract or it's a bad contract. If it is a bad contract, you should never do it. And I, I, I just think it's, not that simple. And I'm just looking, James, like as we're talking at some of the free agent defensemen for next year. I mean, like, so John Klingberg is going to be available. What's John Klingberg getting? A lot. Nine and a half? Uh, he's going to get a lot. For sure. Nine? 
Um, and I know there have been questions about him too, about him not being as effective as he was earlier. Chris Letang? I mean, he's, is there, well, he's old, so he probably doesn't really count in this discussion. Well, but he'll probably get like, I mean, how old's Latang? He'll get something. 32, 33? 35. He's 35 he's 35 already. apparently. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, what? <laughs> but he'll probably still get like term and like a lot of dollars and, you know. It, it's not a great class. Hampus Lindholm's like Rasmus Ristolainen. Well, Nick Lindholm's Letty, available like, in trade. Like there's a lot of rumors that. That Lindholm's going to be on the move here to another I team. I wish I'd looked at this sooner. This is not a good group. <laughs> Jeez. You would have to trade for someone. Well, and then it... so Unless you're signing Klingberg and like, that's going to cost you even more. So then you get into the trade market and then you're going to have to subtract from your roster or you're going to have to subtract prospects or picks. I mean, you, teams are for a player that can play in your top pair. You're probably giving up a roster player and... There's not a whole lot of places on the Leafs roster where you can subtract a quality player and not feel it right now. So I understand why people think it's an overpay. People don't like the term. I, I, mean, I don't like the term either, but I, I think that what it came down to for the Leafs was they weren't going to have him. Now, I mean, I would have looked pretty long and hard at, given the way the defense market was, I would have looked pretty long and hard at trading Riley in the offseason. And I'm not sure that I don't I don't think that the Leafs did. Uh, so they kind of put themselves in a situation where it was overpay or or lose them. Well, I, I I always push back a little on that because you'd you'd have to be trading Riley for someone who's as good. No, not necessarily. I mean, what if I mean you want to get worse? Well, you could free up cap space and you could use that and then do what with it? Well, you could try. I guess, but get better forwards. Is that like? Well, you can try and find another defenseman somewhere else. I mean, in theory, it sounds great. It just seems more difficult than it sometimes. Oh, I'm sure it's super difficult. Or trade. No, I'm... Let's, uh, let's take a break, and then let's talk about the new defense and maybe take a few questions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James. New look defense. Um, I like, in theory, the idea of a, a Muzzin-Brody pair, in theory. Muzzin has to be hurt. Like, he has to be. There's no way that he goes from being as effective as he was last year. I mean, he was basically, he was really propping Hall up and making Hall a top four defenseman. And then to go to where he is this year, he has to be playing injured, which is a bit concerning. I mean, he's had a lot of injuries the last couple of years. And I've talked about it before. He's got the the bionic knee braces that he wears all the time and, um, what did, uh, what was the message from Sheldon Keefe? I, I've, I've been tied up with all kinds of stuff. Um, what was the message from Sheldon Keefe about, about the different defense pairs, what they're looking for? He basically said like they, they had to try something different. They had that, that Justin Hall has been struggling. They'll, they'll get him 
a break, obviously, and try to. I mean, it just wasn't good enough. Was essentially what he said. Like, and defensively, they they just haven't been the same. Like they. You can see it night to night, just some of the chances that they're giving up. Like, I don't remember many games or many stretches of games where they gave up this many odd man opportunities. Like, that was one thing we didn't see a lot of well, last year. I did a big deep dive on that last year about the midway point. I said, and it was really specifically about not giving up the quality chances that they had the previous year. And I, I had some data on it. I had some video on it. I remember Sheldon, I, I ta- asked Sheldon Keefe about it and... um that was the number one focus for the coaching staff last year. And they accomplished that goal. And I don't know why it's backslid this year. I don't know why it's, I mean, it's the same personnel on the blue line. So why would it be different? Well, obviously if Muslin's playing hurt, but to your point, like he's 32, like this is what happens or this is what can happen with older players. And and we saw it with Nick Felina last year. Like that was one of the things that seemed like it got brushed over is like when you trade for a guy who's 34, there's a chance he's going to get hurt. Right? Like, that's what's going to happen. The whole thing is 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 weird. Obviously, like, you go back to the summer. I, I was fine with the, the idea of protecting him in expansion just because, like, their top four was so good last year. Um, and again, the replaceability question, how are you going to get someone for that price who could play those minutes? It's a problem, like, if he can't do that. Well, I because mean, protecting him looks terrible right now because it, you know, he looks like a third pair guy. He looks like a guy that played most of his career in the AHL. And so, you know, what it makes you wonder is how much of him looking like a top 4D was Muzzin being as good as he was, right? Like Muzzin, Muzzin's a very good defenseman. Yeah. And if I guess if Muzzin's at 60%, then Hall's at. That's going to pull, yeah. right. That's going to pull Hall down. Um, Dermot playing with Riley. They They have played around with this here and there the last couple of years, nothing like substantial. What do you think of that? So do you think that they give Muzzin and Brody like the tough assignments and then yes. Riley and yeah, I like it. I, I, I think it's time to see if Dermot can play in the top four. I think that he is more ready than the other defensemen. Um, I don't know what you're going to get out of Sandine and Logan. I, my guess is it keeps going to be afraid to play them all that much. I guess you're playing Detroit as part of this. Right. So, Although Detroit's been like plucky. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Detroit, you can see the 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 embers of, you can see what's coming there. Like they're going to be. But their third and fourth lines are just like yeah. not good. So what you'll see is, yeah, Muzzin and Brody will get the tough matchups, but Sandine and Lilgren are going to get the really soft matchups. Like they'll probably get all the offensive zone starts and everything. And um, so Dermot's going to have to, and, and I think that, I think it's time to see if Dermot can do it or not too, right? Like you, you know, we're talking about moving on from one of the veteran D or moving on from Hall or whatever. You feel a lot better about it if if you watch Dermot play in the top four a little bit this year and it looks like he might be able to do it. Yeah, I guess the problem is it is that they're not really in a, a, a place right now where they can be experimenting. Like well, they're in... That that's one game they played against Chicago where they get a win. Like they're they're in a very kind of fragile position, but they're not in a place though, Jonas, where they can like keep doing the same thing if it's no, not it's, working either, right? Exactly. So, like what else? I can would you don't do? know if I would like, even call this experimenting. I would call this like it's just it's logical that they ch- they change the D right now. Yeah, and and it's going to be interesting because like you go back to twenty twenty the bubble and they have to move Dermot up. And basically, they come away from that experience saying, he can't play in the top four. Like, we're not doing that. And 
and now like you're kind of forced into a situation. He's had another season. He played fine last year. He did exactly what you would hope. Obviously, he had the issue in the playoffs, the incident, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, like now you'll see if a year and a half later or whatever it is, he can handle it. It would be big for them if he could, because obviously that opens up your options a little bit. Yep. I think it's time. I think it's time to, I, I think that given the way Hall's played that it's, you see what, what Dermot can handle, especially playing with your new seven and a half million dollar defenseman. Oh, baby. <laughs> well, I mean, how much do you think they, they, how much extra value do you think they got out of Morgan Riley on the contract that he's on? Like, what do you think he's been worth the last few years? Yeah, I mean, he's probably been like a six, six and a half million dollar guy, right? Low sixes, probably. Yeah, that, that makes sense. All right. All right. Do you have any questions? Did you? There's did tons you of questions. So, so for this time, I did something differently. I put out the call for questions in our app. If you're Good. listening and you don't have our app, I, d- I don't, you got to get the app. Okay. And the thing is, in, in The Athletic, you don't have to pay for everything. You got to pay for all most of the good stuff. Jonas Siegel had a great interview with uh, one-on-one with William, William Nylander today. I love that story. It was fantastic. Um, and it's nice that access is starting to come back to players. If you haven't read it yet, go read Jonas one-on-one with William Nylander. It's the best interview I've ever seen with William Nylander. And I'm not just saying that because Jonas is here listening. And, and well, maybe a little you're saying that. No, um, no, it was okay. good. It, that's the best interview I've read with William. Have you read a better interview with William Nylander? No, I like I like talking to him. I think there's more there to him. Well, than he clearly he was like w- willing to engage with you in a way that he doesn't always in media interviews, and it, it's a really good piece. So, um, but th- th- all that is to say, download the app. Uh, people are I, I put out the call for questions in the app, and we got 30 responses. We're not going to be able to get to all of them, but I'll try and pick out I'll try and pick out some of the best ones. Joey R asks, will the team need to part with one of the core four before the summer of 2024 when Matthews and Nylander are UFAs uh, in light of, of the new Riley contract? Maybe. I mean, that that's one thing we haven't discussed on the podcast so far, but that's an option too. I mean, there people, if, if the team's not successful this year, if they either don't make the playoffs or they lose in the first round, everyone's going to expect there's a breaking up of the core four. You wouldn't trade Matthews. Uh, it would be probably very hard to trade Tavares with the no movement clause. Nylander's played well. I mean, a lot of people are going to be pointing arrows at Mitch Marner. Can I just say though, James, like I do not think that they think they're in that position. Mm. That may not be true, but that's... It might not even be them. (laughs) It might not even be them. It might be different thems that decide that. Um, So what I was going to say is if they do, let's not pick out who it's going to be. If they do move sure. one of those players, the big contract, all of a sudden your cap situation is you've got a lot of free space to decide what you're going to do with that room. So, I mean, and the thing is you're going to get a return as well. So you could even trade one of your defensemen and one of those top four players and like really change the mix on your team pretty quickly. Yeah, you could. So it, the only thing you, you worry about a little bit, James, like they're getting a little like old, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you look at, aside from those three guys, you, and I guess you want to throw Sandy, I guess, I don't know. You look at like Tavares and Muzzin and Brody and Campbell and I don't know. Anyway, maybe maybe that's not fair. Uh, they're like, uh, age-wise, they're like average in the NHL right now. So, you know, most teams that are in a contending space are going to have some guys that are getting older and some young guys that are on the way up and... You know, the Leafs need some of their prospects to kind of accelerate and come in and fill the gap. And then you'll feel better about moving on from some of the old guys that are getting older. 
Well, that's a little tricky right now. I don't have an answer to this one because I haven't really thought about it, but Nick P asks, what are the top five contracts that Kyle Dubas has signed? And is this Riley contract one of them? The top contracts that he signed. I guess you'd you'd say Hall. Obviously that's not looking great <laughs> at the moment, but like that's a good contract. Neilander. Uh what else? I mean, some of this is trade. Like he trades for Campbell. That's a that turns out to be a pretty good contract. I mean, after last year, I would have said the Muzzin contract was a good one because he played really well last year. Brody, yeah, I mean, would have said the Brody, Brody was a good Brody contract, too, right? So, well, and I'd still say Brody is. Some of those Jason Spezza contracts look pretty good. Those are A pluses, and the bunting the bunting deal is going to be an A plus plus. Maybe. I mean, Dubas is only, hasn't been the GM for very long, and a lot of the team was signed when he started. And so, I don't know. Contract signings have not been where you would give the highest marks to this front office. No. <laughs> I will say, diplomatically. <sighs> Let's see here. Stephen L. asks about Nylander playing center and Tavares playing on the wing. Um. This is what this is the way he phrases it. He says Nylander should get more responsibility to reach his full potential. Tavares should have less to do because he's slowing down. Would make an effective kind of Dustin Brown type winger. Should they swap jobs now or later? Um, I mean, I put that in a story that I kind of think that that's something. I put that in, in stories like dating back a year. I, it's just unless you're committed to it and you're committed to moving. I mean, there's not really another candidate unless you're going to move Martyr to center. Unless you're committed to it, it, it's really tough to do that middle of the year, isn't it? Like, it would be tough to go to William Nealander right now and say, you're playing center the rest of the year. I guess you could, but it's not – I guess you could, you could play Kerfoot with Tavera. I don't know. That that doesn't seem better. Kerfoot's, like, not better at center. You know what I mean? It's, they're kind of in a weird place with that. Uh, here's a fun one for you that I've never thought about. Philip R says at the last world championships, Switzerland had its two power play units coached by a different coach. They had a battle internally and whichever unit was hotter, got more playing time. Do you think that's a model that the Leafs or NHL team should consider? <laughs> that, that's, so, that's fun, eh? So should Manny Malhotra get like the second unit? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe or maybe what you do is you disperse the talent a little bit more evenly and like whoever can like comes up with the better scheme gets to I don't know it's the way the Leafs are I, I you know what at this point we're, nothing's fucking working with the Leafs power play I mean like why not like why not just do something different why why not I got to say James I'm not a fan of them changing up their their first unit power play look already it just it just wasn't enough time like you can't give it the, Matthews has played like four games five games I just didn't think that they well, gave it enough it of a looked, chance. Looked, but looked like doggy turd, so that's probably why. I mean, when when like, but, but was the reason it looked bad because Marner was in the bumper and like uh, we've seen that movie before. We'll see if this works, but it did look a little better in Chicago. To be fair, uh, Roland asks, "Is it just me, or were the forwards not covering for the activating defenseman against Chicago? What was going on? Were they forgetting their assignments? Uh, it looked like a vintage version of this team, given the adjustments they made last year. I mean, I." I don't know. Yes, if, I don't know if he had the chance to ask Keith about what was. Good. He brought that up. Okay, what did he say? Yeah, he said like it's not just about the defenseman. Like our forwards haven't been good enough, and I think that's very fair. Yeah. Okay. 
So the, the, the forwards are like not covering the way that they did last year or they're being aggressive. I remember one of the things Keith said when I asked him about this last year was they needed the forwards to not, if there's like a 50-50 play, to make the right decision about whether or not to pursue it because you can't always, in the offensive zone, you can't always put yourself in a position where you're going to leave yourself vulnerable all the time over and over and over again because you're going to get burned if you play that way. Well, and James, what's been happening? They've been struggling to score. So what's going to happen inevitably is you're you're going to cheat, right? Yeah. Man, James, like I'm just looking at the, the cap-friendly cap sheet. 2030, it feels like fucking forever. <laughs> well, it is. I'm, 2030. I'm, do you know how Jesus. old I'm going to be in 2030? I'm going to be 50 years old. Woo! Do you know how old Clark's, Clark's going to be freaking... 15 like <laughs> getting drafted into the ohl <laughs> yeah well he started playing hockey it's been oh my it's, God. he's in the gthl it's been pretty interesting i've just never thought about 2030 <laughs> well dude that's like that's like past like when like blade runner was and stuff like that like like we're gonna oh, we're gonna be in flying cars and things like that by then oh my god the new company that uh the facebook guy just just started is we're all going to be living in a the metaverse. The holographic reality of looks like nightmare <laughs> nightmare world. Um Alex B says, What are the th- what are your thoughts on the Leafs goaltending situation going forward? Can they rely on a duo of Campbell and Mrazic for the season? I'm not convinced. Um I'm not either. It's early. It's too early it's, to tell. I mean, Mrazic's played two periods. Yeah. And so Mrazic's getting the start against Detroit, which is going to be... They need Mrazic to play well. I mean, he's he's kind of been all over the place in his career where he's had good years and bad years and good stretches and bad stretches. And they gave him a three-year deal for 3.8. What I will say is that it's pretty interesting how good Anderson's played in Carolina. Like, he's he's probably been the best goalie in the NHL so far this year. Yeah. Not, I, not what, so we'll I, see not what I would have predicted. But he's been very good for my fantasy team. Do you still. think he's going to have a nine fifty six save percentage all year? I say he does it. Okay, that's a pretty good team too. I was wrong. Like I figured without Dougie Hamilton, but I guess if he's okay and like I don't know, well, they're, they're just no they're one wants deep. to say it. But I think D'Angelo's been all right, and like Brendan Moore's a really good coach, and some of their other like Slavin and some of the other guys they got are really good players, and they, I like their forwards too. Like that's I do too. It's a smart front office, and they've built a good team there. There's a lot of questions about Riley's contract, and I feel like we have answered most of them. There are some questions about Jared McCann, which I understand that in hindsight, well, and some people said it at the time, that that move was not going to look great um, if if Hall turns into a pumpkin. Um, Paul W. has one here. Let's see if you can answer this, Jonas. Why do the Leafs yep. always seem to have slow starts? Oh, God. <laughs> I just think it's like a mental thing. Like it's a mindset thing and that they need to, I don't know. It's just, you feel like it, this wouldn't be the case when you're a professional athlete, but I don't know. I they, feel like some of this though is like a, uh, what is it called? A bubble thing where you're in the Leafs bubble. So you only see the Leafs. I'm sure like lots of other teams have the same issue. You know what I mean? But but for I just good think we teams, watch it seems like they're behind all the time. Like against Chicago, they're behind and then they're then they But was then that they the case play. last year? I, I actually don't think that that was the case last year. Now, that wasn't a great division. Yeah, but well, people have PTSD because they've cheered for this team for so long. Oh, I do not. No, I, I don't either. I cheered for some crappy Canucks teams for a few years and I was like, I, being a fan is, it's not for me. 
All right, James, I think we got time for one more question, so make it good. You know what I'm going to do? Instead of taking another question, I'm just going to talk about Kyle Beach a little bit and just like how amazing and how powerful him coming forward and and, and talking with with Rick Westhead. I know Rick's a a personal friend of mine. Uh, He's an amazing journalist. He's been working on this story tirelessly all year while his son was in the hospital with with cancer. Um, So... Kudos to Rick for doggedly pursuing that story, but more so kudos to Kyle Beach for, you know, bravely coming forward and putting, I think him, it shouldn't be this way, Jonas, but him putting his his face and putting his words out there in the world uh, to his story, I think is going to change a lot of people's minds and it's going to change a lot of the backwards Neanderthal way that the NHL is. And, um, you know, I just, I just hope that, uh, you know, he gets some, some solace out of, out of that. And and the fact that so much of the hockey world is behind him and, um, hopefully that more meaningful change continues to happen in hockey. Well said. And in addition to Rick Westhead, Katie Strang has done unbelievable work on this and she was on the athletic hockey show uh, this week, so be sure to check that out. Mark Lazarus, Scott Powers, Alex and Ine- yes. Alex Iniguez is our, our editor there. Aaron Yeomanson has done a lot of work as well. I mean, like we, our team has been working on the Blackhawk story a lot, um, and because we believe it's important, and you know, we have other stories like that that we're working on, and you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of there's a lot of bad things that happen in, in the hockey world, and you know, one of the ways that I think that we can uh, we can change that is by shining a light on it so we're going to continue to try to do that well said james and if you haven't signed up for the athletic go to athletic.com slash leaf report we will be back next week we'll have a, a weekend game against detroit to dissect james and then i don't know when we'll, we'll do it before the vegas game or after the vegas i think game. maybe we give it two more games and then i mean we'll yeah you know maybe they'll, that feels maybe right. they'll sign someone else or maybe they'll lose eight one or yeah. who knows what maybe there'll be another emergency podcast but we'll be back soon all right well enjoy your weekend enjoy the the game on saturday and uh we'll chat next week goodbye james happy halloween jonas Happy Halloween, yes. Oh, I wanted to tell you, I carved the most amazing pumpkin. I'm very proud of myself. All right, tweet, That's all. tweet the picture and everyone will see it. No, I'll just send it to you. <laughs> and then I'll tweet Bye. it. Bye. <laughs>